Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I just know I was in a really dark place and I went back and decided to redefine myself. And part mm-hmm. of it was the way I show up with my hair. And so I remember people saying, you're getting ready to drive your career in a ditch. Like, how can you, this doesn't fit. And I mean, I was very shortcut, no hair on my face whatsoever, except for my eyebrows, of course. And it's just like, I wanted to to look the part. Mm -hmm. And what I found on the other side of making the decision and going through the process was that my income and responsibility accelerated at a rate exponentially higher than what I experienced when I was trying to walk the walk and, and fit the fit the mold. And, you know, we joke every now and again and talk about bamboo, right? But mm-hmm. it's really a bamboo experience. And it was on the other side of the fear. In the back of your mind, your dreams should be real, right? Thanks all for tuning in to Dreamcatchers, where we make things happen. Dreamcatchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful, self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life's work to the next level but need support to evolve. We are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. This podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way to catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why to each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dream. Are you ready? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dream Catchers Podcast. I'm your host, Jerome, and I got my long-lost friend, James Bryant, back. <laughs> hey, it's all podcast in about 18 years. Finally twisted his arm and got on to come on. How are you, man? Oh, man, I am doing great. As I like to say, my name is James Bryant, and I choose to be happy. Uh, I think happiness really is a choice, and we get to choose how we want to show up in life and how we want to approach every day that we have. It's truly a blessing, and I want to choose to be happy in each and every moment that I can. I'm jealous. That's intention, man. Hey, you, you, you have that choice as well. You have, we, we cannot control the things that happen to us, but we absolutely can re- control how we respond to those things. And it's being able to slow down and understand that we don't have to react, that we can respond, that gives me the ability to be able to choose to be happiness, even in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of things that people might find fearful, in the midst of being over leveraged or leveraged more than what I would like. Um, it, it doesn't matter because it's still a choice. And this is just how I choose to approach life, man. So you bring up fearful. Um, mm-hmm. How does that fit with happy? Because I don't think most people are happy when they're scared, unless they're like a haunted house and they ask for it, right? But 
How well, I, I, transition? Well, one, I think that we have to understand that fear is uh, somewhat of a natural response. Um, you know, our body becomes fearful when things are there that could potentially hurt us. The problem is when we give into that fear to the point that we don't move forward or we begin to freeze. I guess it's supposed to be fight, flight, or freeze. And so when you're in a situation um, and you freeze, you're not moving forward. You're allowing that fear to control you. And I don't think that it's smart for us to pretend that fear doesn't exist because it does. It absolutely does. And if any of you are experiencing any situations that you find fearful, understand that's okay. But don't let that fear control you and stop you from moving forward with the things that you feel you need to do or that you have to do or that you should be doing. You really have to be able to allow that fear to tag along but it's in the back seat, not in the driver's seat, and we're still moving forward toward our goal. I think you hit the nail on the head there. I was uh I just made a post on social media actually talking about my decision back in 2010 to stop getting haircuts. And when I started growing my hair, started going through that transition of I don't even know what to call the transition. I just know I was in a really dark place and I, I went back and decided to redefine myself. And part mm-hmm. of was the way I show up with my hair. And so I remember people saying, you're getting ready to drive your career in a ditch. Like, how can you, this doesn't fit. And I mean, I was very shortcut, no hair on my face whatsoever, except for my eyebrows, of course. And it's just like, I wanted to to look the part. Mm -hmm. And what I found on the other side of making the decision and going through the process, was that my income and responsibility accelerated at a rate exponentially higher than what I experienced when I was trying to walk the walk and, and fit, the, fit the mold. And, you know, we joke every now and again and talk about bamboo, right? But mm-hmm. it's really a bamboo experience. And it was on the other side of the fear. And I, I don't even know what to do with that. Can I say that, hey, well, everybody that I came in contact with looked past my exterior or my outer appearance? I don't know. No. Um, I have a few thoughts on that, if you'd like for me to share. I'm glad to hear you share. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, one is that during that time, you were reinventing yourself, right? You were understanding who you were what was purposeful for you and you were in the process of becoming who you are now, right? So the person that you was, was shaped by external views. You know, these people think that you need to look this way to work or you need to look this way to succeed or you need to act a certain way. And for you that you didn't fit that mold. So when you began to become your authentic self, guess what? You began to excel because you were more comfortable with who you were, because you weren't trying to pretend to be anybody else. You weren't trying to fit into anybody else's mold. You were just you, you were Jerome. And so when we get to the point where we can be our, our, our authentic self, you know, when we can accept ourselves for who we are, um, be able to see those things that may need to change, not to reflect anybody else's view of who we need to be, but to reflect our view of who we think we need to be, 
And when we're walking in that authentic self, things begin to open up for us because we're no longer fighting a fight of trying to fit into something that we don't fit into. So you're no longer expending energy in that way. Your energy now is free to observe, free to see, and free to receive the things that the world has to offer to you. Whoa. Said a lot there. So that part was really interesting because you don't fit in, right? I mean, you're not... I was in corporate America. And so the majority of my colleagues didn't look like me. Right. I mean, and yeah. by a very high percentage. Yeah. So what does fit in mean? Does it mean we wear the same kind of clothes? Um, do we wear the same shoes? Like, is it their skin color is the same? Does our hair look the same? Like, what does it really mean to fit in? And I've really become hypersensitive to that. Mm-hmm. And it might be a stretch to make this, draw this comparison, but I feel like it's worth worth saying. Okay. I was sitting in the airport over the weekend and there was a woman with her three daughters. And one of the daughters and the woman were having a disagreement. And this bullying from the mom to the daughter started to ensue. And it was like, wait, if we bully our kids, why do we not expect them to go do it to somebody else? Mm. Like we're, we're asserting our will on them instead of having a rational conversation with them. And I mean, it wasn't like it was a two-year-old. She was in her teenage years, right? Mm-hmm. And so we can't have a rational conversation with them. We're not teaching them how to defuse conflict. We're saying, I'm in a position of authority and you better sit there and shut up for lack of a better way of characterizing it. And I mean, that just kind of goes back to the fear. And so when you extract yourself from the, the frame that I think our parents are our biggest programmer more often than not, right? When you extract yourself from the frame that was programmed by your parents so that they can control you, it's scary because it's foundation, it's the reference. Yeah, and I don't know if parents... Um, even as a parent myself, think of it in, in terms of controlling our kids. Um, we typically approach it with having their quote unquote best interest at heart. We are in our own lives. We get frustrated with certain things and we are just trying to find the quickest path to a solution. I'm not saying that that solution is the best solution, but typically that's what happens Uh, when you're in those kinds of conversations. The approach that I've taken with our boys is to really try to equip them with the tools so that they can be able to navigate life as they get older. And so instead of having the I said so attitude or you need to do this because I'm saying this and I'm in a position of authority, I'm trying to engage them in thoughtful conversations so that they then can be equipped to, again, navigate life. So we were having this conversation you and I earlier this week about self-compassion and about uh, there are times when we really need to not be judgmental on ourselves. And you were like, uh, okay, well, how does that apply? And so I'm going to tell our listeners, you know, what I told you, my youngest son uh, came home. He didn't have uh, his booklet that I tell him to bring home every day showing his work. And he was upset and he was upstairs and 
he was really, you know, kind of throwing things around because he wasn't going to be able to have access to any of his electronics. And he was really upset. And so I go upstairs and I go to talk to him and I'm like, you know, what's wrong? He's like, well, I don't have my agenda book. And uh, that means I won't be able to, to do this and I won't be able to do that. And I'm just, I'm just a bad person. I'm just stupid. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. We have to teach our children at a very early age to not take that disposition. And so what my approach was, hey, it's okay. You know, it's not the end of the world, but let me ask you this. And so I asked him because I can tell him that it's okay, but it doesn't mean anything because it's me telling him, it's not him telling himself. And so the way I approached that was, hey, Nathaniel, if your really good friend did this and was going through this, what would you say to him? Would you say you got what you deserved or it'll be okay? And he says, dad, I would tell him it'll be okay because it really wouldn't be that big of a deal. And so my question to him was, why won't you tell that to yourself? And he kind of looked and said, okay, it'll be okay. And from that point on for that day, didn't have that issue. And so we have to really take time to equip our children with the tools that they need to go forward in life. Because, you know, my, my boys are uh, 12 and 11 and I'm going to blink and they're going to be 19 and 20 and I'm going to blink and they're going to be 29 and 30 and they're going to steadily be, you know, be the men that I am trying to help them to be. And so maybe it is all about programming. Maybe I'm trying to uh, influence and put control on them, but the control that I'm trying to put is to equip them with the tools that they need to go for, that I think they need to grow in life. Yeah, and I think that focus is very different from, I just want you to do what you want me to, what I want you to do, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've seen people where they just are trying to maneuver the kid to a space where it's like, okay, this is where you're going to be safe. Air quote, safe, right? You're going to be safe if you go do this. Mm-hmm. And anything else outside of that, I'm going to try to block you and make sure that you don't do it. Um, and it, you know, I, I struggle, man. I, I really do because they're people. Right. They're little people. They have their own personalities. They have their own experiences and they have their own frame. And my goal is to make sure that the frame serves them. Mm -hmm. Because if they're always pushed from one place to the other where somebody else is creating a frame that serves the other person. Right. Selfishly, not out of love, then they end up in a pretty rough spot. And that spot leads to a place where they can choose to be happy. (laughs) But the reality of the situation is they feel like they have no control. And with no control, you feel like you are not happy. Hey guys, back in 2016, me and the team decided to formalize Dreamcatchers as an organization that can help people achieve their wildest dreams. If this is you, please visit our website at dreamshouldbereal.com in order to find out the details of our services and how we can help you become a Dreamcatcher. Talk to you soon. Yeah, that's yeah. When you get to that point, um, I, I would absolutely agree. One of the the interesting things I thought about when you first talked about that situation is that when we bully our kids and we force our opinions on them or our way of thinking on them, without really trying to create an environment of learning, 
of real exchange, we set them up to either go and bully other people or we set them up for a life where they think that being bullied is normal. And we all talk about that, you know, you treat the world how to treat you by how you treat yourself and how you allow yourself to be treated. And so for a lot of us as parents, as mentors, as coaches, um, as friends, we really need to help the people that we're interacting with understand that they do have some control, that they do need to develop those tools and that they should not be in a position where they're continually bullied. I don't care if it's in corporate America. I don't care if it's in the schoolyard. I don't care where it's at. Um, we really need to equip ourselves with the tools to be able to move beyond that. Yeah. And then, so what happens when you can't impose your will because you don't have positional authority? Like the true tool is influence, right? The ability yeah. to Im have people move to that new place of their own free choosing, not because they're being made to. And so mm -hmm. it's a whole lot more valuable skill set. Well, I think you also have to be flexible, even with your influence, right? So, you know, I can come into this conversation and say, I want it to go a certain way. But if I'm not flexible enough to flow with our conversation, then I'm going to keep trying to hit back at something. And the conversation is not really going to be a conversation. It's going to be a monologue or it's going to be an argument or a disagreement. You, you really have to be flexible in that. And true influence is not just influencing others, but allowing yourself to be influenced by them. Because when you are in a meeting or you're in a gathering, you're really trying to get that collective input to be able to move forward. And you want people to understand and feel as if you actually hear them. And if you just want to make your point, you just want to get your way, and you're really not truly hearing what the other people are saying, then you're not having a conversation. You're, you're, you're finding a nicer way to tell them what to do. It's not really conversational. There's no real exchange. No exchange. Closed-minded. Mm -hmm. Fixed-minded. Fixed versus... Yes. And so, you know, we started having that conversation the other day and <laughs> the question of, all right, so do you apply that to this situation? And this brings the conversation full circle back to my story about becoming me and defining, redefining myself. And so how do you decide what's fixed and what's growth, right? How do you decide this is kind of what I stand for, this is who I am, this is what I do, and what I will continue to do, versus these things need to move and be fluid, kind of like be water, you know? Ooh, that's a tough one, because I don't, when I think of what's fixed and what's growth, I think of those things that are fixed and those things that I have decided that will be at the core of who I am. So it's not something that I'm trying to do, but it's a part of who I am. Um, and those things that I'm fixed in, you know, my belief in God, my belief in relationships and communication, those things are fixed for me. Um, but that doesn't mean that in some of those areas, there's not room to understand that there's areas of growth or places or things that I can do differently um, in that. Uh, so that that's a tough one because there are certain things based on culturally, based on our religious beliefs, based on our backgrounds that in our minds uh, are fixed. 
And, you know, for the majority of us, that's not necessarily an issue. I think the issue becomes when we try to make other people conform to what's fixed for us. I can't make, I can't make what's fixed for me be fixed for you. It's not my problem to solve. It's not even a problem. It's not my situation to be in. I just have to be me. I have to, you know, my job is not to shine a light on you, but my job is to let my light shine. My job is to be. Um, And so I think the problem comes when I say, well, Jerome, you need to conform to the way I believe, to the way I think, to what I would do. And if you're not doing that, then there's a problem. So I don't know that. Yeah. The dogmatic approach is a thing, right? But Mm -hmm. The question becomes for me, like, all right, I've exposed you to my way of thinking. You don't have to adopt that if you don't want to, but depending on the significance of this issue, it determines whether or not we spend time together at times. It it depends. It depends. You and I, we, we I would say that we think similar a lot of times, but not the same. Right. Um, you know, it's not exactly the same. And I think it, it goes back to how we view communication. Do I view communicate, communicating with you about how I believe is trying to change your mind? Or am I trying to provide a context where which you can understand how to communicate with me better and how I can communicate to you better? If I understand your frame of reference and if there's certain things that you're dogmatic about or certain things that you're fixed in and I want to act and I want to effectively communicate with you, then I know the limits of how you're going to receive that conversation. Um, and, if, and as the communicator, I always go back to that it is my job to package the information in a way that you're going to be able to receive it and, and do something with it. The something may not be to change you, but it may, may be to help you make a better informed decision. I could have packaged the conversation that I had with my son as you need to get over it. You need to do your work. And that's it. He wouldn't have been able to receive it at all. So packaging is, it's about the content and the packaging. And so if I understand what those issues are for you, what those areas are for you, then that means that I can better communicate with you when I have something of value to share. Yeah. And so this is getting really interesting because I just finished a book called Pitch Anything. And the first chapter of the book is talking about setting the frame, right? And this is revolving around the sales pitch or going in and trying to get capital or whatever the case is. And the author tells us to reframe the situation or to frame it in a way where we're in, you know, the alpha position. And it was really interesting to think that you need to come in and control the frame because if you control the frame, then they feel like you control the end result. What you're offering is everybody has their own frame and that's fine. You just need to be able to offer things to them in their frame so that they can accept the message or at least receive the message that you're trying to communicate. Yeah. That is a higher order, it's a higher order approach, right? Because now 
you're not trying to convert everybody to see the world the way that you see it. You're going into different spaces and seeing the world in the way that they see it and then offering something in addition to that. And so that takes me all the way back to high school when I read uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. And it's seek to understand, then to be understood. Mm -hmm. And I think that one principle has served me better than anything else that I've learned over the course of my life. Because in communication, if you understand where the person's coming from or how they see the world, then you can use that place of commonality to go to the new place and illustrate the new point, especially if you understand something that maybe they don't understand because they don't have the experience or their bias. Yeah. And so the way that I would, I guess, revise that or play on that is that seek to understand so that when you communicate, you can effectively be understood because you need to be able to have those common bonds of communication. And and listen, for some people, it's going to be, you're coming in, you're framing it in a way that this, you know, X, Y, Z needs to happen and they're going to be fine. For other people, it's, hey, what do you think about this? Because some people aren't going to conform to a situation where they're being told what to do or they feel they're being given a sales pitch. If you want me to turn off really quickly, try to sell me something. Just overtly, this is what we need to do. This is going to be best for you. And this is how it's going to be. I'm, I'm going to shut down because I've learned, you know, my, that's my own defense mechanism not happening. I, I need time to process it. I need to, to kind of work through that. And I no longer make any of those quick judgment decisions, particularly when it comes to investments or money. You heard it here first. I won't do it. I won't do it. Wow. I don't want to drag it out, man. I mean, these (laughs) started in one place and ended up in a completely different place. I think for me, the, the big takeaway, though, is with fear, right? Don't let fear control you. Right. It can guide you. It can inform some decisions, but... I don't think it is the thing that control you. And when you step out of frame, it's going to be scary because it's uncharted territory. That doesn't mean that you stop. Right. It doesn't mean that you run. There may be a fight that ensues, but I think there's something else in that, that once you get out of the crocodile brain, that actually happens. I, I think there's actually some thinking and some other higher level, higher order activity yeah. that we, for some reason, ignore. Well, it's not that we ignore it. I think that we don't directly see what the benefit is going to be. So when you're in a situation and you're fearful, it's hard to think about what's going to happen on the other side of that fear and what happens on the other side of struggle. You know, we know, you know, if you're working out, if you do things, that strength is on the other side of your struggle. If you're continuing to lift weights, you, you continually to push yourself as you get stronger. You struggle through until you get to the other side of, of your goal or where you want to be. And I think when stuff happens to us from a psychological perspective, we don't think about, oh, I'm going to be so much more mentally stronger when this is over. Or if it's a financial issue, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to understand how to be able to move through 
different economic downturns because I went through this. No, we're really looking at our survival at that time. And so it's hard to look to that other side to see what that, what the potential strength will be. You can't see the end of the journey from where you you, you can't, but you can't see the end of the journey, but you can begin to plot your path to where you want to go, right? You can't see what's actually going to happen, but you can see what you can visualize what you want to happen. You can visualize where you want to be. You can visualize the strength that you will have on the other side of it. It's just because something is difficult doesn't mean that it's impossible. You know, just because something is hard doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it or you should stay away from it. Um, We actually have to get to the point where we're able to push past those things that we see as difficult because really, is it really difficult or is it just means that it requires more effort from you? Is it really hurting you? Or is it that you don't want to face the fear that you have? And every time that door opens, you begin to get a little concerned. And so you close it. What is it? What's holding you back? Now, of course, there are always going to be situations where the conversations that we have don't cover. There's, you know, huge trauma issues. It could be childhood issues, abuse issues. And so we're not talking about those extreme situations because those situations do happen and some of you that are listening have gone through that so this is in no way any kind of um you know assault against what's happened to you but for the majority of us we face these issues in life and we allow fear to stop us from moving forward and we really need to get to the point where we're able to move past those fears to achieve our dreams to really go after the things that we want and become who we want to be. Your dreams should be real. No matter the fear, no matter the challenge, no matter the struggle. So if you made it to this point in the podcast, you've enjoyed what James and I had to share. So do me a favor, share it with a friend, give us a like and a written review. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.